Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 1130 today, building a bridge to Cubs baseball doubleheader right here on the score. Zach Zaidman's pregame follows us at 1130. And we are hoping to connect here soon with Ron Coomer. We're also like uh, every good manager does, Bruce, right? We're shaking our lineup up a little bit. Lucas Giolito, we're moving up from 11 o'clock to 1025, uh, 1030-ish. He's out in Boston, so we're putting him in the number two spot. And I think that's a good place for him to be because he's going to bring it today. I can feel it. Yeah, well, he always does. He's always a great <laughs> guest, as is Coombs. So. Uh, keep listening to the score all day long. You're going to hear a uh, split doubleheader, as uh, David said, with uh, Zach Zaidman's pregame starting at 1130 and Cub baseball against the Dodgers. And uh, what a challenge that is for a team that uh, had a pretty rough go here, uh, David. I don't think the Cubs have won a series since the first series of the year against uh, Milwaukee this season. Quite a challenge, and it falls on the hands of uh... – the left arm of Drew Smiley, and that's where we get the breaking news here on The Score. Brought to you by Beat the Streak Podcast. Get an inside edge on how to win the $5.6 million prize every day this baseball season. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcast, Bruce. And the Cubs have activated Drew Smiley from the bereavement list. He will be today's starter. Uh, I believe he's opposing Clayton Kershaw. So welcome back, Drew. There are the Dodgers. There's Kershaw. Now go, go, go give us five quality innings and, and get uh, get a lead and take it to the bullpen. That's all. Yeah. Uh, sounds like an easy chore. Um, I mean, wh- why not? But, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, with the injuries uh, to the pitching staff and the bereavement and all the clunkiness here, you know, there, there is, um, there's some challenges for the Chicago Cubs, not, not least of which is certainly playing the Los Angeles Dodgers, who continue to be, uh, David, in my mind, the most uh, consistent and, and admired franchise in baseball, and they probably have been for the last 10 years, if not for a lot longer than that. I mean, you know, you used to look at look to the Yankees, and, you know, you looked at the, the Red Sox uh, for that five- or six-year period. Certainly the Cubs were right up there with those teams as consistency and, and – uh, you know, a, a challenge to be winning the World Series every year. It's, it's hard Without to beat with the Dodgers, too. Yeah. Without a it's doubt. Hard to beat Bruce, what they do. so I ask you this, and we, we do want to continue the conversation with 
with Ross and Tony LaRusso, the comparisons, the contrast, the scrutiny. Let us know what you think, 312-644-6767. But, Bruce, when the Dodgers used to come to town against the Cubs, and it wasn't that long ago, it would be a comparison between two franchises that were chasing the same thing and really not that far apart. But that has changed dramatically in the last calendar year. But I think that it has changed big picture-wise since the last time the Cubs won a playoff game. You remember that? You remember the last time the Cubs won a postseason game? Game yeah, four. It was, a, it was 2017, yes. Yeah, against the Dodgers. Against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers, and they were getting they were getting blown out at the time in that series. It was five years ago. So the Dodgers, in the last basically five years, have taken since that point. They've won three National League pennants, nine playoff series, a World Series title, and they look ready to go again. They've spent money. They've gotten enough resources to afford Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. The list goes on and on. Bruce, these two franchises have taken very different paths to get to where we are today. I, I don't know if you can compare them now because the Dodgers have done so many things right, whether it comes to developing players or being willing to spend, that I thought the Cubs were going to be able to do as well from that point. Yeah, you know, when, uh, when Andrew Friedman took over the Dodgers uh, seven or eight years ago, I think it was, um, he uh, didn't do what a lot of people would do because the Dodgers, David, have the resources that no other team have in baseball. And that starts, and that includes the Yankees, who are probably the second richest team as far as revenues coming into the coffers. And what, by that, I mean that the Dodgers have $300 million, I'll repeat this, $300 million coming in from their local TV deal every year. 300 million for the next 11 years. And with that in mind, Friedman knew this and could have gone out and spent every dollar if he wanted to, but instead continued to look at the Dodger situation like he did with Tampa. And by that, for the 10 years that he was in Tampa or seven years that he was in Tampa, a long time, uh, he and that group, and that group continues to do it this way, got the most out of uh, the lowest payroll in baseball uh, by being stealth when it came to scouting, developing, signing, and finding free agents and uh, having a pitching plan like no other in baseball. And, And the Dodgers have continued that under Friedman. Let's go down that path then. Because it does, I think, accurately describe what the Dodgers have done. They have developed like a team that can't spend and spent like a team with their resources. And it's been a combination that has made them the exemplary franchise in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. the, over the last five years since he arrived, essentially. I, I, I think the obvious question is, why couldn't the Cubs have done the same? Because they do have, Bruce, I, with due respect, yeah, the, the, the television revenue is important in, in Los Angeles, but we were led to believe that the television revenue going to the Marquee Sports Network would create a similar influx of cash that would be used to spend to the point where you avoid these dips to the degree that the Cubs are dipping right now. So I think that's what's frustrating from a fan perspective is that the Cubs should be on a parallel track with the Dodgers and not having to figure out a way to, right. you know, choose a lane and, and determine whether or not they're, 
they're going to rebuild only after they've unloaded all of their most popular players. I, I, that's the frustrating part of it. I think Mr. Ricketts had the same question for the, the previous uh, two to three years. Uh, in other words, he wanted to know why there wasn't development in the minor league system, why pitching wasn't developed. And, and, and more importantly, I give Jed Hoyer a tremendous amount of credit right now for going out and getting Carter Hawkins from the from the Cleveland Indians, their front office, because outside right. of the Dodgers and Tampa, nobody does it as far as developing pitching with no money than the Cleveland Indians. And Hawkins has been a big part of that with the Cleveland franchise over the years. So uh, Hoyer, to his credit, went out and found the guy uh, that had this background, that had uh, this development background with the Indians. And I think we're going to see some of that happening and hopefully come to fruition for the Chicago Cubs over the next few years. It's not going to happen overnight. I think you're right. And, and I don't dispute that at all. And I think that you could, we could spend an entire show and maybe we will in the next couple of weeks, but talking about the, the positives at the Cubs minor league level and all of the promotions that have happened and the, the sluggers that now are in the Iowa outfield and the pitchers that are on their way up to help along the way and Bruce, that you could find a farm system and reasons for hope. But, but I also wonder this, it, it, does this dovetail into our conversation about the manager? You know, David Ross was not necessarily hired to be that developmental guy. He wasn't hired to be the guy that stresses fundamentals necessarily. He wasn't the guy that was, was given the job because of the way that he worked with younger players. He got the job because he was the, the personality that the, they, they felt would ignite some veterans who had gotten kind of complacent. And so is he the right manager for this role, for this job moving forward? And is he, is he going to be the manager of what Jed Hoyer has referred to the next great Cub team? I believe that uh, David Ross on some days uh, would wonder if he should have continued his dancing career or not. Um, <laughs> because it's not, it's not easy it's not easy. And, and look, I think he, he does get a lot out of the players. And I watch these players and I watch them uh, work. You know, uh, I, I can tell you it's not for a lack of work or organization. Um, I would just say, uh, to be honest, that they're just a little bit short on talent. That could change if their pitching gets straightened out. Okay. Because, you know, they're starting Daniel, Daniel Norris in the second game today. Right. Okay. Against the arguably the best team in baseball. Okay. Uh, I hope Norris throws five or six good innings or at least four good ones. I think Ross would take four good, good ones and 50 pitches, 60 pitches. That'd be great. But from a depth perspective, the Cubs don't have any depth in their pitching right now. And it could change when Miley comes back, when Mills comes back. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, but Miley had a very excellent year last year. He's a good pitcher. Mills has been one of the more uh, um, versatile pitchers uh, for the Cubs over the last two years. That the, the depth is is really important to have, and, and let's see if they can if they can get that going here in the month of May. Uh, if they can, I think some of some of the uh, perspectives on the Cubs and some of their luck might change because of the fact that they have just a little bit more pitching uh, that's out there that's used to being out there as starting pitchers. Bruce, interesting text I got from Ryan from 615. 
I'd love to see what David Ross would be doing with the White Sox roster. The Cubs roster just isn't good enough for any manager. Hmm. How would David Ross manage the White Sox? How would he be with that group, do you think? Do you think it would be any different? Do you think it would be any better, any worse? Or with that group, if you put them on autopilot, who manages them is not as important as some teams. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in autopilot. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that believes, uh, like, uh, I remember Kerry Wood talking to me about four years ago, and I asked him, that yeah, was three years ago, I asked him, I said, do you believe managers impact winning games? And he says, he says I, I do to a certain extent w- with good teams, he said. He said, but in general, I think what I've seen is I think a manager who isn't really good can lose more games than than you could than you'd want. Okay, mm-hmm. not about winning games, but about losing games, making decisions that lose games. So that that was his perspective. I I, I don't know how David Ross would do with the Chicago White Sox. I do not. I'm not one of those guys that believes that the manager's role is not important any longer because that just takes you straight to the robot-like game that a lot of people enjoy just through numbers, that numbers alone will lead you to right decisions, and that the human element in getting the most out of players and understanding when to play a player and when not to, and when a guy is going through something that you know uh, is impacting him and you you hang with him, I think that just ignores the human element and how important that is in the game. Or, Bruce, as our 312 texter so eloquently puts it, you cannot win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. So that may be another thing to remember because sometimes you just are managing a group no matter how good you want to be, no matter how smart you could possibly look, you still have a roster of, of and a team that's not going to – be better than maybe a 75-win team. And you do wonder, it, it's an ongoing conversation, the effect of managers. Like, you look at the Angels. Our, our buddy Joe Madden, we had him last week. And so they leave town, and they're still winning, and they have Otani, and they have Mike Trout, and they're both healthy, and they're both hitting, and they're both really part of a Angels team that is 18-10 and 10 now in first place. Is that because of Joe Madden, or is that because they have two of the best players in baseball? They have better pitching. Flat out, you know, they have added to their pitching staff. Uh, they are getting uh, depth. Uh, Joe, Joe is no different than uh, the Leland story I told you. You know, it, without without some good pitching and good players, you're not going to win. But getting Trout back, you know, after missing all last year, uh, you know, getting their third baseman back after missing all last year, uh, adding to the pitching staff, you know, it's it's just been a better team. There's more quality to it. When you talk, I, 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 yeah, yeah. When, when you talk about the impact of a manager too, I think that I look for things. I think we all look for things about plate approach, overall discipline, and and you have seen that with the Cubs in the first month of the season. We complimented the change and shift in maybe philosophy at the plate. They brought in Greg Brown from Tampa. They were taking more walks, seeing more pitches, and we were praising that, Bruce. But I think what we have now seen is that whether it's – and I don't think you can hold this against David Ross or any manager, but the Cubs have tried to straddle that line between being more disciplined and I think now we're wondering are they too passive at the sake of being too patient? Or, or where, is that, where is that happy medium between being passive and being patient? And I wonder 
what uh, what direction they go now because you have seen that whether it's with Seiya Suzuki or throughout the lineup, that is a team that has just stopped scoring runs. Right. And, and you know, look, we, we've seen who struggled more to score runs than the White Sox this year. I mean, they they have they have really struggled to score any runs whatsoever. And, you know, what whatever you want it to, they are certainly uh, winning some close games. And again, you know, from my, my beginning statement at the, at the start of our show today, David, I think they're going to have to win with pitching all year. And, you know, again, it's a, it's a general statement and people say, yeah, you have to have good pitching, but I don't know if they're going to be a really good offensive team. I don't know if they're going to consistently score five and a half runs a game or, you know, or five runs a game. I I think they're, they're going to have to win a lot of games three to two or four to one or four to three. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to put up big numbers when it comes to this lineup all year. I'm not sure about it. Well, I think a lot will depend on the rotation, and we're looking forward to our conversation in a few minutes with Lucas Giolito, Bruce. But heading in that direction, when you see what Vince Velasquez did last night, and now has he turned things around? His first three outings, Vince Velasquez gave up nine earned runs in 12 innings pitched. In his last two, one earned run in 10 and two-thirds. He looked like somebody in command last night. Did he get a little help on the Trevor Story check swing a little bit with a couple runners on in the fifth? Maybe, maybe that, but every pitcher goes through those kinds of things. Vince Velasquez has been a difference maker in those last two starts, Bruce. I wonder how sustainable you think that is. Oh, I, I'm not, uh, not going to guess on that. He, he's a professional pitcher that's been around, but uh, consistency and, uh, you know, w- whether or not Ethan Katz is having his impact on him or not, we'll, we'll just have to see how this plays out. Give me five. Who are your five stock starters? If, uh, you know, Velasquez is, is there and then Johnny Cueto is available, Keiko, we'll see what he has in the tank. I think we kind of know, but he's set to pitch on Sunday. Who's your five starters if everybody is uh, except Lance Lynn healthy? Yeah, well, I, I, don't, I don't have those for you right now. I, I will just tell you, I will just tell you that uh, I'm not quitting on Keiko as quickly as everybody else is. I know it's easy to do because he got banged around uh, a lot last year. He's got banged around a lot this year. Um, I, I still think that there's some good games left in uh, Dallas Keuchel, and uh, you're going to have to get through the month of May uh, at least without Lance Lynn uh, pitching for you. So uh, I, I think there's going to be some good opportunities out there. Um, you know, Lopez at a certain point in time will get a start, I think, uh, when they need a spot start. And, you know, teams, David, more than ever now are not afraid to start a game and know it's a bullpen game and, and ask things out of the starting pitcher. It's, it's no longer a Tampa Bay phenomenon. It's no longer a Tampa Bay gimmick. Uh, everybody uh, has had to, through, uh, through just the need, mostly in in recent times. And the fact that uh, up until a few days ago, people had as many as 15 pitchers on the staff. And the Cubs will do that later in the second game of the doubleheader today. Take the opener approach with Daniel Norris pitching the second game of the doubleheader against the Dodgers with Drew Smiley going in the opener against Clayton Kershaw. With the White Sox, Dylan Cease, few have been better in baseball than Dylan Cease lately. He takes the mound for the Sox against Nick Pavetta at 310. 
Our next guest was pretty good his last time out against the Cubs, looking very sharp and solid. Lucas Giolito did the other night at Wrigley Field. We'll talk to him on Inside the Clubhouse when we come back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Yeah, we're shaking up our batting order a little bit. Lucas Giolito is going to move ahead of Ron Coomer, and I think that's a good managing decision, Bruce. Nice job there. Lucas Giolito going to join us shortly. Ron Coomer at the top of the hour, 11 o'clock. We're building a bridge here to Cubs-Dodgers right here inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. David Hall, Bruce Levine. Zach Zabin's pregame is at 1130. The Cubs with Drew Smiley will be opposing the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw, first of two games at Wrigley today. Hopefully the weather will agree. Bruce, before we get to Lucas Giolito, the starting rotation for the White Sox is certainly key. And lately, the one thing you can count on almost every outing is that Dylan Cease is going to be sharp. He is going to be, uh, he's going to have some nasty stuff. And you know what? He's going to take the ball. The most amazing stat to me that I saw this week, and I think uh, Stathead it was online. Dylan Cease has more starts in Major League Baseball than anybody since 2019 or 2020, the 2020 season. He, he has not missed a start because of injury. Durability, consistency, it's all coming together for Dylan Cease. Let's uh, mark this time at 1029 on Saturday, the uh, 7th of May, that David Haw officially jinxed the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, it's, it's, it's a first. great point. No, it's, it's a great point that you make, that uh, Cease, who had uh, tremendous injury problems in the minor leagues with the Cubs, and which was a, a, a factor, okay, David, in them allowing him to be traded to the Chicago White Sox along with Eloy Jimenez for uh, uh, Quintana. That was, that was a factor because, you know, he was their bright star. They, they felt they, you know, they knew he had great stuff when they signed him. They knew he had a great stuff when he was in the minor leagues, couldn't stay healthy. So from that perspective, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful point that you bring up that, you know, Dylan Cease, you know, is a guy that has not missed a start in all that time. For the record, you jinxed him by picking him to win the Cy Young back in spring training. So I will say that if he is jinxed, that you were the first one to put the whammy on Dylan Cease. Don't expect that. Still think he's going to be good. You know what also was nice interesting? Nice try, David. Nice try. Okay, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Bruce, he, he is, he's already had the Tommy John surgery that so many pitchers fear. And with young pitchers who throw as hard as he does, that's always kind of you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Like, okay, when's the bad news going to happen? He's kind of already encountered that and overcome that, which makes you think that his success and durability might be more predictable. Yeah, well, you hope so. I mean, look, it's a it's a pretty compact delivery. Uh, I mean, there there's not there's not an awful lot of uh, of difference in uh, in Cease other than uh, I I think his he he has benefited just like uh, so many others on that White Sox staff from uh, from Ethan Katz and and some of the compact ways that he delivers the ball. I think that it's fun to watch those guys pitch because it goes back to the, the old no wind-up uh, way of, uh, of throwing the ball. Taking away a, a lot of the movement 
and the pitcher being able to find himself on the top of the rubber and making the mechanics a lot more easy for them. So from, from all of that, I, uh, I, re- I really think that, uh, you know, he is going to be a guy that uh, is able, able to keep his mechanics going in and keep it simple. Also, Bruce, yeah, keeping it simple is key. Keeping it mechanically sound is key. Using four different pitches and having confidence in all of them. I think that he only threw three change-ups the other night. One of them got Mike Trout to strike out uh, one of the three times that Mike Trout struck out against Dylan Cease. You talk about a memory. If you're a young pitcher, no matter how accomplished you are, you strike out Mike Trout three times, that's one you're going to be talking about for years, for decades, telling grandkids about the night you struck out Mike Trout three times. He struck out four overall against the White Sox. Tony La Russa said postgame, you're never going to see that again. I, I don't think Tony was exaggerating, Bruce. I don't know if we're going to see Mike Trout strike out four times again in one game, and that he, he did the other night against the White Sox. Yeah, no, I, probably not. That was uh, fun to watch that matchup. And, and what, what makes baseball better than when you see, you know, a, a matchup of one of the great young pitchers in the game against arguably the best player in baseball and has been for a long time now. You believe that that Mike Trout is in his 11th year in baseball, okay? It just seems like yesterday that he was a, a rookie sensation. And uh, there, there's, there seems to be something youthful about watching uh, Mike Trout, he's not old by any standard, but man, you know, 11 years in the Major League Baseball, it's, it's hard for me to believe that. You kind of take for granted that kind of greatness, and maybe because he's just such a low-key player and such a superstar very quietly, somewhat quietly out there for the Angels. All right, Bruce, it's time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and it is our pleasure to welcome in the White Sox ace, Lucas Giolito. Lucas, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. How are you? How's it going, guys? Doing great. Doing great. I hope the weather is agreeable for everyone out there in Boston. It looks like it's going to be a nice day here in Chicago for a change. Uh, Congratulations on your big outing the other night at Wrigley Field. Let's start there. Lucas, it, it looked like it was uh, as difficult of conditions as, as you could imagine. How challenging was it for you, and, and how did you get things to, to uh, work as well as they did? Um, the conditions weren't too bad. The, the night before, uh, Michael's game was just absolutely miserable. Um, I, I was sitting in the dugout. It felt like we were in like a vortex. There was just like water swirling around the field. It was it was crazy. I don't know how anyone was playing in that, to be honest. But um, my game, it was cold, but, you know, it's been cold uh, in the Midwest to start this year, so I'm kind of used to it at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those ones where early on uh, I was just making some mistakes. They, they made me pay for it with a couple home runs, but uh, – then uh, kind of uh, brought it together and, and executed uh, more often than not to, you know, go solid uh, five and two-thirds. I would have liked to go six, but unfortunately I kind of lost it with the last batter there. Lucas, uh, let's go back to spring training because when I first saw you in spring training this year, I walked into the clubhouse and saw you, I said, is this his uh, bigger brother that just showed up and Lucas Giolito? Because <laughs> you had – you had uh, you had put on some muscle. You looked like you grew an inch. Um, you you looked bigger and stronger than than you ever had. 
what was the difference in your training in the off season, or was it just uh, the fact that you're you're still a young guy and and your body's still maturing? I'd say a little bit of both. Um, it was definitely part of the plan early in the off season. Um, you know, talking with my trainer and kind of mapping everything out to put on some mass. Uh, we felt that if I could just put on some mass early, um, you know, I have a, a very big frame and being able to kind of fill that out a little bit, it would kind of benefit me in the long run, you know, over the course of uh, a full season, trying to throw 200 innings, um, just having a little bit, uh, a little bit more to kind of start off with. That was kind of the goal. So, um, my, yeah, my, my training was a little bit more intense, uh, in the weight room and everything. Uh, you know, I wasn't like doing anything like crazy or different from what I've done before, but just a little bit more volume and, uh, just kept at it. And, uh, I showed up to camp, uh, you know, a bit stronger and, uh, kind of as, as I, I thought it would happen um, over the course of the beginning part of the season, starting to like kind of lean out a little bit from that uh, mass I put on. So uh, it's working pretty well. Lucas, I think the, the, the temptation is for a lot of people who, who look at somebody who did what you did in the off season and added the muscle mass, you start to wonder, okay, well, the more muscles you have, the more muscles you have to pull. And the more, you know, may, maybe if you're doing something different, you might expose yourself to, to an increased injury. Was that the case with you? Was your injury related at all to the different changes you you took in the off season to to increase your your muscle mass, or was that totally unrelated? Could have happened any given season. I can't say for sure. I I really don't think so. Um, I have a history of having weird, strange injuries. Unfortunately, uh, that's something that I'd like to see an end to here in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I pulling my my ab. Uh, it was described to me as a uh, injury a lot of tennis players get from serving, um, kind of that like that that up to down motion. Um, you know, a lot of baseball players, pitchers, hitters will will pull um, obliques and, and lats and things like that from that uh, like uh, that twisting motion, like hips and upper body. But for some reason, I went the other direction with it and and uh, went with the ab. Luckily, it was super minor. Um, I actually felt really, really good uh, just a few days after the injury. Like I felt like I was ready to to get it going again. But since it was so e- uh, er- since it was so early in the season, uh, you know, after discussing it with the medical staff and everything, uh, they, you know, they wanted to take it a little bit easy and make sure that uh, could fully heal and, and come back strong. So, you know, unfortunately had to miss a couple, but back on track now, feeling really good. The White Sox star pitcher, Lucas Giolito, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. And Lucas, uh, David and I, before you got on the air with us, we were talking about um, uh, the Ethan Katz impact that he's had on the staff on, on a lot of guys like like Lopi and you. And, uh, and it seems like he, he's had it on Cease as well. From your perspective... Can you give us a, a couple of uh, paragraph answer on um, what makes his way of simplifying uh, a pitching motion so effective for young pitchers? Unless you think I'm off on that. Um, I think I, I honestly think 
what Ethan's really good at is kind of understanding different personalities and ways of learning um, for pitchers. Uh, I think that he, he adapts to, you know, different types of guys. Um, some guys, like, really love looking at the data. And uh, in that case, Ethan's like, all right, cool. Like, we can dig into the data. Here's X, Y, and Z. Uh, we can do this, that, and this. Um, and other guys, like, want to keep it more simple. And he'll kind of go and do all that, like, data crunching and all that stuff on his own, uh, along with all the analytics people. And he'll come at the player and keep it really simple. Um, I think that he just has a very good ability to adapt to different personalities. Um, and his coaching style will, you know, it will differ from guy to guy. It's not like it's one set, hey, this is how I coach, and you uh, got to follow it. Um, you know, he, it's like a, a tailored plan for each guy he's working with. And I think that's what, um, you know, really helps make a difference. And, uh, makes it easier for guys to understand certain concepts and, and be able to make those adjustments quicker. You know, Lucas, the you mentioned Ethan Katz and, and the Codify owner, Michael uh, Fisher, I think was on the score this week talking with Dan Bernstein and gets a lot of attention. And, and he talked about how the White Sox as an organization were even interested in maybe buying the company. So I, I guess when you talk about everything that goes into the, the amount of intelligence that you gather, the information that you process, how would you summarize what that does for you and what that could help make, how, how it could help make White, the White Sox staff smarter pitchers when they take them on? I know Liam Hendricks is also very much a, a fan of Codify. Are you talking about Codify specifically? Yeah. Or just like scouting in general? I think Codify um, specifically just because it came up this week as, as a topic. Yeah, I like Codify a lot because it's, it's kind of what I was talking about before uh, with, with Ethan. Um, super simple. Um, Michael, uh, you know, he's the brain behind the operation. Uh, he's got the, he's got, he did all the math equations. He's got the uh, algorithm. He's got this, he's got that. Um, and what I get as a player is a very, very simple, uh, you know, essentially heat maps uh, tailored specifically to me and specifically to the hitters I'm going to be facing. You know, what's going to work for me versus this hitter? Uh, I get that every week before every start, and it's just uh, another kind of tool in the toolbox to be able to make uh, my job easier. I mean, the job's not easy, but having, you know, different tools uh, to be able to prepare at the highest level, um, that's, that's, uh, that's what it, I think can can help a lot. So, yeah, that's that's what I really enjoy about Codify is the simplicity of it. Um, you know, being able to communicate with Michael. Hey, you know, I I really like the maps last week. Like, let's see some maps uh, of this different kind of situation. All right, cool. You know, he'll shoot them over. Uh, that's uh, that's what uh, really helps a lot. Lucas, uh, last one for me. Uh, David might have a few more, and I, we really appreciate your time uh, today. I'm wondering what the, the Tony Larusa factor has been for you personally, uh, not just from a, a team perspective, but personally what you have learned, what you've liked, maybe some things you haven't liked and you've been able to talk out with them. Because 
one thing about both of your personalities, you're, you're both great communicators. So from the perspective of communication and what you've been able to glom from that, what has that been all about for you? Yeah, I mean, it started when it started when when we first hired him. It was before two spring trainings ago. Um, that off season, he calls me up and we had like a thirty minute conversation. Um, I'd never met him before, uh, but you know, he introduced himself. He talks about kind of his like principles, uh, very open, honest, upfront. Um, and explains like, hey, like this is your guys' team. I gotta come in here and and earn your respect. Um, you know that 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 really started off uh, the beginning of a great relationship. Um, you know, since then, uh, what I really really have enjoyed, uh, you know, working with, with Tony as our manager is his love for uh, the players, like genuine care and love for for us not just as uh not just us as baseball players like oh cool like you're doing well on the field great keep it up but um you know off the field stuff uh family things like that um you know for for example uh, my wife is graduating vet school on uh May twenty uh, seventh coming up here, and it happens to fall on an off day. Luckily enough, so I remember it was like last year. I went into Tony's office. <laughs> I, was, I wanted to be as early as possible. I was like, "Hey, Tony, my wife is graduating on this day, and based on uh, the schedule, and this is last year. It's like the the next year's schedule came out." <laughs> He's like, and I'm like, I'm like, based on the schedule, I got very worried during the lockout, by the way, because I was worried that the <laughs> schedule was going to change and we wouldn't have an off day anymore. Um, but like, you know, based on the schedule, it's looking like 27th is an off day. Um, my wife's graduating vet school on that day. Uh, you know, before I could even like finish my sentence, he, he he's like, yeah, you're going. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll figure it out. And sure enough completely honored that I brought it up in spring training uh, yeah of course no worries and you know we were able to we were able to you know talk through it the other day me Ethan Tony um, and uh, you know have a nice schedule so it doesn't affect anything baseball wise but I'm still able to be there uh, and, and be there for my wife so uh, that's just kind of like one example um, you know just the I'm trying to think of like the right adjective for it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that's that's kind of what Tony's all about, and uh, it's it's been wonderful. That that's great. Congratulations to her as well because that's a great accomplishment. And, and Lucas, we don't want to keep you too long, but in 60 seconds, what changed against the Angels in that five-run rally in the ninth? You guys did not win the game, but you haven't lost since. Did something get triggered that day uh, when that comeback fell short? Oh man. Um, it's to me, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an offensive guy, but it, it was almost like a little, it was almost like waking up from a nap a little bit. Um, you know, I think that we, when we were in that little stretch, you know, we were trying, we're always trying, uh, we're always going to try and play hard and give it our best effort. But it, it was just like, 
it was just like that that little bit of fire was was missing um you know some of those deflating losses uh kind of going through a rough period it was a little bit of like a wake up and everyone pulling from the same rope you know knowing what this is all about and you know even though we came short that day i think that it was it was a nice little turning point for us and you know now we you know we've learned from it you know if we happen to you know drop a few games here and there over the rest of the season like you know we know what we know uh what we need to do and, and how to come back lucas thank you so much for your time best of luck the rest of this season and congratulations to your wife this has been a lot of fun thank you yeah it's awesome All right, thank you appreciate lucas, you guys thanks. yeah have, have a good rest of the day lucas giolito the white Sox ace and we will talk about what he had to say and more here inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score we're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And we're not going anywhere either. We are going into extra innings until 11.30. We're putting a runner on second base. Bruce is going to go up to the plate, sacrifice him over to third, and I'm going to knock him in with a sacrifice fly. And we are going to have a winning program the final 30 minutes or so of today's show. We are building a bridge to Cubs baseball right here on the score. Cubs-Dodgers doubleheader. Drew Smiley, Clayton Kershaw in the opener. And, and Bruce, we just got done with a conversation. Lucas Giolito, what a tremendously thoughtful professional athlete. I know every time he talks we have the same kind of reaction. But just the way that he uh, states things, just the way he thinks about the game, and the way that he relates to people, I think the White Sox, you referred to him as a star pitcher. He's a star in every way. Yeah, the communication skills are off the, off the chart. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable they have a conversation with him uh, in the clubhouse, just, uh, you know, walking through on a daily basis because it, it's always interesting. He's, he's always engaged, uh, you know, whether he's uh, getting ready to go out there or – finding his gear, he still manages to engage directly uh, with the conversation. He, he's an exceptionally a gifted guy in more, more than one way. Obviously a great pitcher and athlete, but, uh, you know, just a, a, a good person and a, you know, communicator way beyond anything. I mean, you know, 10 years from now, if he's uh, winding up his major league career, he'll have any type of job that he wants in, in communication. He's that good. Two things he said that I think bear remembering. Number one is that that five-run five rally against the Angels that fell short in the ninth inning. They scored five runs in the ninth on Sunday. They still lost 6-5. to five, But he said it was like waking up from a nap in terms of their offensive uh, hitters and bats. Now, he's not one of them. He, he acknowledged that. But he said, if, and you have seen since that point, Bruce, they've been more productive. And they haven't lost a game, four straight wins going in to today's game against the Red Sox. And the other thing was the May 27th thing is really an outstanding example of, of the way that Tony La Russa does give certain players and relates to his players the, 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 uh, the room to be people. And having that day off for his wife's graduation, she becomes a vet. Congratulations to her. But that's a Friday. The Sox have an off day on a Friday heading into the Cubs' next Cubs-Sox two-game series. And, um, and so let's hope for no rainouts for, for the Giolitos. 
You talk about organization skills. He, he planned this two years in advance, okay? That's a good husband. Somehow somehow yeah. he had a 2022 schedule in 2020, Tremendous. which, yeah, I mean, that, that's, hey, that's he, awesome. Well, we, He's not only a Cy Young Award candidate, he's a candidate for husband of the year, Bruce. I mean. <laughs> husband of the decade. That's huge. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 he, and obviously it shows you the, the human side of Tony LaRusso, which – we don't get a, a very good picture of very often. And what makes him a guy that's closing in on 3,000, I'll say it again, 3,000 wins as in wow. a manager. That's 28 seasons uh, right now of 100 wins. That's where he's at, about 2,830 wins. So pretty spectacular. You don't do it on uh, just because the owner likes you. Uh, you do it on the ability to communicate and the ability to be better than most at that job. Also, congratulations to another former Chicago manager, Dusty Baker, on winning his 2000th game this year, Bruce. That was a big deal, and Dusty's still going at it for the Astros after obviously spending some time here in Chicago. Okay, when we come back, one of our favorite people is going to join us. He's done talking to David Ross. He's done preparing for today's doubleheader. He, Ron Coomer joins us next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Yeah, we're still here inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, going till 1130 today when you can listen to Zach Zabin and Cubs pregame before Cubs Dodgers, the first of two games today at Wrigley Field. And it's time now to go to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino. In Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that is where we find Ron Coomer already prepared, already in his seat, already ready to go. Good morning, Coom. How are you? Good morning, David. Brucey, we're we're doing good. We are at Wrigley Field in a, and I might add a very sunny Wrigley Field, which we have not been able to say too often here at the friendly confines. It's amazing how bad the weather has been. Oh. And I'm glad for you and for everybody that now you can have a day to savor and enjoy baseball rather than endure it because that's what it has felt like the first month or so of the season. You know, when we sit in our booth, right, for the, the White Sox game, the first game of that series, and, you know, you're a little protected from all the elements and that. And I was like, boy, it just looks terrible out there, right? You know, and you've, we've all played in some of those situations, whether you're a kid or you're an adult or you're in the big leagues, whatever. But then I walked down from the press level, and I went down and, um, you know, right right down below us, and you start walking out of the stadium, and I'm like, it is really bad. This is, like, terrible. I, I, I just marveled at how the guys, how well both teams actually played the game in those conditions a couple days ago. Coom, uh, Cubs have been challenged lately to score some runs. Uh, can you identify – where they're at in between wise, uh, you know, I think generally I saw them uh, be a little bit more patient at the plate the first 10, 12 games of the season, uh, taking more walks. Is it directly related to uh, Suzuki and uh, kind of the style he was playing then and now the, uh, the clunkiness of his little slump right now? Well, I, I, you know, whenever you have your probably your best hitter having a little issue which I, I don't know if it's necessarily an issue for him or if it's just the league is it made a little switch on how they're pitching him, and now he's got to make the adjustment back. Um, 
you know, in talking with David this morning, you know, I, I think the Cubs as an organization expected some of this, you know, with Suzuki. So, and, and I think that's exactly right. You're, you're going to have some of these ups and downs until he gets the feel for exactly what different teams and how the league is going to try to pitch him. Um, so some of that when your your main guy is, is having some struggles that, you know, it kind of, just like if he's hitting really well, it gets contagious, and I think some of that is what we're seeing. You know, the other thing, too, I, I really feel like not with him, so take him out of the equation because he's trying to figure it out on the fly of how big league teams are, are pitching him. But some of the other guys, we're seeing a lot of taking of fastballs too lately, and we saw that in the last series against the White Sox, a lot of fastballs for strikes, a lot of fastballs for strike three, um, and to me, getting walks is very important. And we all know on base percentages, the stat everybody, you know, looks at that runs our game right now. But there comes a time where you have to go to home plate and you got to think, I'm going to hit, right? I, I'm going to drive in these runs. I'm in a situational hit. But the thought process is I'm going to hit, right? I'm going to do some damage. I'm going to, you know, be that guy. And I think here lately we've seen a lot of a lot of taking and a lot of, you know, not being aggressive on your pitch. Now, I'm not saying the walk, you know, go up there just looking to hit and not walk. I'm saying when you get your pitch, you've got to be, you've got to bat in your hand. Use it. And I, I've seen a little bit of the, you know, a little tentativeness um, at times. And, you know, you put yourself in a bad count. Well, it's such a fine line between being right. passive and being patient. And I think you want to be patient without being too passive. And I think the Cubs have been on the wrong side of that line too often recently. And I think it does coincide with Suzuki's slumps. Lacuma, I mean, when you look at him in his first 11 games, he had 12 walks and nine strikeouts. In his last 13, he's had 18 strikeouts and two walks. And I'm curious what you said in, term, in terms of, you know, obviously – it's not so much maybe the pitchers adjusting to him as maybe a timing thing as David Ross has talked about. You see the leg kick, you see the toe tap, you see the things that he does. Is it just a matter of him getting into rhythm or do you think that it's a matter of velocity that he's trying to catch up to or is there any one thing or is it a combination of all? I think it's a combination, David. I, I really do. He, he's a really good hitter and you know the velocity in America and Major League Baseball is a little better than what he saw in Japan. But I, I don't think, in looking at him as a hitter, I don't think that that's something that he can't adjust to. I think he's fine. He's, he's very sound mechanically. He's got great hands. He's strong. He's, you know, there's a lot of things that he does as a hitter that I look at and go, he'll be successful here. So I think there's a combination of things that, you know, happen to him in a ball game or in a series that he's trying to figure out. And I, and I do believe he understands that he has been a, a guy that's had a high on-base percentage. He's walked a lot over in Japan, where now I think teams are aware of that too, right? And they're, and they're going ahead, and, and they're either spinning a breaking ball for a strike or they're pumping in a fastball and he's taking. So he's just a little, you know, you're just trying to figure it out on the fly. And, you know, he will. I, I'm convinced he will. But I think right now he's a little bit, as they say for hitters, he's a little bit in between. I'd like to see him just be aggressive at home plate for a little bit 
and just go up there and and want to you know go up there hit first right and think hit 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 until they start you know throwing pitches out of the zone kuma uh, do you think that uh there's a a platoon going on now in more than one position and maybe more pointedly at first base is uh Schwindel and Rivas, are, are they in a platoon situation right now until one of them takes off? Or uh, is that what you see from having talked to, to uh, David Ross and uh, what, you, what you've seen from uh, the Cubs right now going forward? Well, I, I think what's happening, Bruce, is if you're swinging the bat well and you look like you're having good at bats, you're going to play. And I think Rivas really fits that mold, right? He's... He gives you a quality at bat. He walks. He can drive in a run. He sprays the ball around the yard. But he has good at bats, whether it's a lefty or a righty on the mound. So he's only got a couple spots he can play, being a left-handed player. And um, right now, you know, for for Frank, he's he's been scuffling a little bit. Average is down. He you know he hasn't um, driven the ball like we've seen him last year. And I do believe for me, he's got a little mechanical issue going on with his front leg it's kind of collapsing and it always did but it's happening a little early so you know he's got to just do a little work in a cage and i'm sure he is um but i just think for david when you're making out these lineups um night after night you're trying to find the best option you can and i think rivas being in the lineup is one of his best options right now because of the quality of at bat he's he's bringing to the table Joined by Ron Kuma here and inside the clubhouse. Kuma is in the Cubs radio booth waiting for the Dodgers and the Cubs to play the doubleheader today, beginning 1130 right here on the score with pregame and Zach Zaidman. Kuma, big picture question. You know, it's been since 2017 that the Cubs won a playoff game. And in that span, the Dodgers have won, you know, a World Series. Uh, they've won uh, pennants. They've, they've put yep. together playoff series and victories. If you had to pinpoint one thing, it's not just the spending, but why are they so good at developing talent? Well, you know, I think they've made some key moves and they've worked. Um, Well, it's to be determined how the moves, obviously it's the Freeman move this year, how that's going to pan out for them in the long run. But, you know, they've, you you go, we were just talking about this, David, in the booth how deep their lineup is, right? And, you know, the, the Muncies of the world and some of those guys that you don't hear of every day in Turner at third, those guys are just really good players. And, you know, Turner's been there a while at third base. Trey Turner gets brought in, um, but they've got some homegrown guys, right? Their center fielder, Bellinger's a homegrown. Um, they've got some guys that can play and, and have done well. But I, I, I do think they look at, you know, win first right they, they've been a winning franchise the guy in the mound today game one Kershaw I think leads the pack with that as you know they they've learned how to win and they've they've been doing it and um you know they've they've added where they've needed to and the guys have performed I, I think that's the other thing you know that you got to look at is you know they've they've had a lot of guys do well in big moments Coom, I'm not sure if people are counting on the Cubs to be a pennant contender. I think people beginning the year thought they would have a chance to be in a division race. Uh, what is it going to take? Uh, is it going to take Miley and Mills and uh, guys like Steele and Thompson to continue to develop in order to uh, 
get them going? Is it does it all begin and end with uh, enough depth in the starting pitching? Yeah, for for the Cubs to be there, you know, come October and and be you know a contender in the division, you're you're going to have to pitch it well, right? I mean, we just saw Milwaukee um, and. You know, their number five starter, you know, threw bullets, right? And he was really good. So you know you're going to pitch it. So I, I think for, for the Cubs, you know, some of the guys that they've brought in are going to have to do well. You know, I, I really thought Miley was a great pickup for the Cubs. I thought that was a great sign. Um, he's been banged up. He's, you know, on rehab now. He's back here at Wrigley. Hopefully he's going to be pitching for the Cubs here soon. But, you know, guys like Kim, um, Smiley, who's pitching today, those guys have to do well. And some of the young guys have done well, Bruce, and I, I, I'm very encouraged with some of the young arms, you know, whether it be in the rotation or um, in the bullpen. So the pitching side, I, I'm leaning towards a big thumbs up early, you know, especially once guys get healthy. And then you're going to – you, you got to hit, right? you got to do a little better job on offense. That's going to be another key. So, Kuma, we talked to Tommy Hadovy on Mullen Hall the other morning, and he talked about the trend toward openers. And I asked him why Keegan Thompson didn't start, and they went to him after Scott Efros. And Keegan Thompson is valuable as a multi-inning, versatile relief pitcher. And today you're going to see Daniel Norris you know, open right. for the Cubs in the, in the nightcap. Out of necessity or design, is that the case? And, and what do you think about that trend for the Cubs? Because it seems to me like, okay, they are justifying it. They're going that direction, maybe because they have to more than they they, they want to, uh, and yet there will be some pitching coaches that will convince you that that is a smart way to go. I think it's out of necessity. You know, I I, I really do. I I've always thought that that's not just with the Cubs, but everybody. But I but I do believe that that trend, David, is is you know it's a it goes back to some financial trends too, like with Tampa. Are you going to spend a bunch of money on your fifth starter? Or are you going to hopefully get some good work out of your number one and your number two? And then you can do some of this where you have an opener, right? Um, I just think that trend, it, it puts a lot of stress on your bullpen. Or it's a, it's a risky uh, move if your one and two struggle, when, you know, two days after a day and the next day after you're, you've gone to the bullpen for all nine innings. So it's one of those things I, I, I think the league has adopted some of those theories out of need because of, you know, not spending the money on the fifth starter, but, you know, maybe bringing in more bullpen help. And, you know, quite honestly, the game has changed to, you know, the bullpen has become a, you know, a main cog. If your bullpen's not right, you're going to struggle as a group, and um, I think that's where the game is kind of trending. Coom, last one for me. And uh, from from my sources, I've been able to find out that somebody in your booth during the games has been getting help on the attendance game. Oh, okay. Man. And oh, no. and that there's been infor- information going towards somebody in the booth I knew uh, about what the attendance was before people are guessing. Uh, I want to know if if you are aware of this and it's true, and uh, the, the person may or may not have red hair. I, I I'm not aware of it. I knew exactly who you were talking about. Um, 
he he may not make it till well he's got to do the pregame show and then that might be the end of that <laughs> yeah i knew there had to be something behind that yeah he was but too you close. know if if that's what you have to resort to you know i don't think pat has slapped any 20s on him for winning any anytime soon i i don't think that's happened or else it'd be there'd be real issues here in the cubs broadcast booth but as of right now you know he hasn't won every day and you know we kind of chuckle about it but he is he is pretty in, intense about the the attendance game and you know the guys in the first row here um we kind of <laughs> chuckle about that so if that's what he's got to do you know that's what he's got to do kuma we'll, no we got to let you go we got we'll 60 seconds so but but you know what the, the dodgers in town dodger blue you wore it for a year it was your last stop but when you see the uniform and when you see this organization doing as well what fond memories do you have of your days as a dodger um, I got some really good ones. You know, earlier today, David, um, got a chance to see Rick Monday, an ex-Cub, and a guy that I watched play as a kid, you know, coming here. And some of the Dodger people, you know, when I was there coming up or finishing my career, they were just great to me. I got great memories of, you know, being in camp with Billy Russell and some of the guys like that that were just great people. Um, and that's, a, you know, it's a very storied franchise right with all that they've done so uh, it's great to have them in town and it's always great to see rick monday here at wrigley field it's it's a good deal have a great call coom thanks guys thanks for having thanks. me on thanks for having us and have, thanks for joining us he's going to be in the booth all day today ron coomer is the analyst obviously right here on the score cubs baseball eleven thirty pregame with zach zaidman the attendance guesser who actually cheats. We know that now. Thanks for exposing that, Bruce. We know that Zach gets everything right because he kind of has inside information. Yeah, my but, sources um, are rarely wrong. They have been a few times over the years, and I'm no. still hearing about those mistakes. But nonetheless. You, <laughs> you haven't made many, Bruce. Oh, so, yeah. I, I still hear from Mike North once in a while about one I made in, like, 1994. <laughs> he keeps talking about, uh, you know, how I had Walt Jockety taking over as the Texas Rangers general manager and uh, – that's the, the mistakes follow you a lot longer than than the ones you get right. We had a good show today, Bruce. This was a lot of fun because obviously the White Sox are rolling. They're playing in Boston today, four in a row, trying to make it five. Cubs are struggling, but the Dodgers are in town. That's always fun. Kershaw on the mound today. And we had some great guests and, and some people to thank because I think uh, Lucas Giolito was tremendous. Michael Givens back in the 9 o'clock hour, really thoughtful relief pitcher for the Cubs. And obviously, Coombe before a very long day in the booth at Wrigley. Yeah, it was uh, great having Ron Coomer with us. Uh, Lucas Giolito, fantastic guest. Michael Givens, we thank uh, him and uh, the people that helped us uh, bring him in from the Cubs as well. And uh, thanks to uh, Cesar, our great producer, as well as you. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. On our website, not lately, but hopefully soon, at 670thescore.com. Have a great week, David. I know uh, you'll be off next week, so have a have a great one next weekend, and we'll expect you back the following week. Off next Saturday, still doing Mullenhoff Monday morning at 5 a.m. We will talk about whether the Cubs are able to get back on the right track against the Dodgers. We will be talking about how the Sox fare in Boston for their series against the Red Sox if they keep rolling. And we'll be talking about everything because you know what else today is? Kentucky Derby Day. You don't want to miss that. Big news, big action 
the best three minutes in sports. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for everyone for calling, for texting. This has been Inside the Clubhouse right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.